music and decide the time of breaking down sermons. We're beginning a portion of Romans and kind of finishing up. I started chapter 5 of Romans, and this is going to start hitting a point along with Romans chapter 6 and Romans chapter 7, talking about a very difficult subject, one that I think we prefer not to talk about, because it's the area of our lives that causes frustration, that brings anxiety, that breaks up relationships. We're talking about that area of our lives that hurts people, that hurts ourselves. We're talking about sin. It's not an easy subject to talk about. It's definitely not a fun subject to talk about, but we need to talk about it. And what I've learned in life, especially the Christian life, we can talk about the area of sin and think to ourselves, overall, I'm a pretty good person. I do a lot of good things. I don't hurt people. I don't commit crimes. I, I, I think I can just sleep through this message because I don't need to deal with sin. I, I've dealt with it already. I, I'm, I'm just a very good person. But if you are sincerely reading the Bible, if every day you're taking time to open up the Bible, God's Word, and you begin to read the Bible, this is what should be happening. You should be looking into a mirror, so to speak, but you're not going to see your reflection initially. You're going to see the reflection of Christ. The Word of God is Jesus. Jesus is the Word. So if you're sincerely reading the Bible, there should these thoughts should be coming to you. That's not in my life. I'm not doing that. Oh, man. I'm like that person. I've messed up just like they did. I'm, I'm reading the story, but boy, that's my life. That's, that's what I've done. That's how I've hurt somebody. That's how I've hurt my life. We should all be in that place from time to time when we're reading the Bible. I need change. I need transformation. There, there needs to be something in my life that changes. I need more of Christ. I need more of Jesus in me. We should be recognizing our sinful nature and asking God to help us. God, I need help. And I know you're really kind people. You're, you're really honest. I believe that with all my heart. You're, you're servants. I love this church. You serve. This morning, I always want to make sure you know that there's people downstairs serving our kids. I'm so grateful that people serve our kids. This last Wednesday, we had people serving our kids and our youth. And as I always brag in a very, in a very godly way to other people about this church. And sometimes I refer to it still as this church as opposed to my church. Because if I say my church, it sounds like I'm trying to take credit. I don't take credit at all for what this church does. I haven't been here long enough. And um, I always brag in a godly way. I said, this church that I'm a part of, there's rotations. There's rotations for kids. There's rotations for the music, for our ushers, for our greeters. Because people are servants here. I love being a part of this church because you're serving. And yet, even though you even though you're honest, even though you're good people, you should 
should still be recognizing that you need to change. There should be a part of you that still says, you know what? I need to work on this. There, there's an area of my life that I need to keep working at. This is where I love to talk about the Michael Jordan analogy. I've been waiting two years to talk about Michael Jordan, and I finally have the chance. Michael Jordan, he was a superb collegiate basketball player. In his sophomore year, he was player of the year. You're talking about thousands of collegiate basketball players. His sophomore year, he was the player of the year. He stood out above the rest. His junior year, he went player of the year. He stood out above all the rest of the collegiate basketball players. Michael Jordan was on his way to the NBA. But Michael Jordan was not satisfied with just becoming a NBA player. Michael Jordan desired much more than that. So do you know what Michael Jordan did? Before he entered the NBA, he discovered what his weaknesses were. I read his book and this is where I got this information. He discovered where his where he had areas of weakness. Now he was a great player and uh, next to me he had no weaknesses, but next to the other guys there were areas of weakness. Michael Jordan before entering the NBA found out that compared to the rest of the players that were going to be going to the NBA, he wasn't good at defense, and he wasn't actually good at shooting the ball. Most of you probably should be surprised by that, and I'll explain why. So Michael Jordan discovered his weaknesses, and he began to work at them to make them his strengths. So he worked at his defense, worked at shooting the ball. Michael Jordan did those two things. Now, Michael Jordan would have been a very good NBA player if he would have left his weaknesses alone. But Michael Jordan was known as the Riddler. He was rated the Baltimore. I know still, we still have fun arguing that, but I consider him being from the Chicagoland area of being the GOAT, the greatest of all time. Why was Michael Jordan the greatest of all time? Because he took his weaknesses and he made them his strengths. He took those, first of all, I mean, this is what makes him a, the greatest of all time. First of all, he actually recognized, now remember, I just shared with you, Michael Jordan was the player of the year. So what, what everybody was telling him, what all the coaches were telling him, what all the players were telling him, what every media person was telling him, you are the player of the year. And still Michael Jordan said, yeah. There's got to be some things I need to work on to get to the next level. And Michael Jordan did that. He said, I need to work at defense, and I need to work at shooting. And so the reason why most of you probably didn't know his collegiate career, you probably maybe were shocked that I said to you he was poor at defense and he was poor at shooting. Why? Because at the end of Michael Jordan's career, he was known for two things. Known for his defense, and he was known for his shooting ability, his percentage of shooting. Michael Jordan took his weaknesses and he made them his strengths. He took those things that he realized I'm, I'm good at like 90% of the game, but there's 10% of the game, and I'm going to work at that so that I'm 100% 
above and beyond. That's how you become the glory of God. And so I know in this room, you guys, you're good people. I believe that. You're doing good things. You have good things in your life. You're a good person. When you look in the mirror, most of us can keep looking in the mirror after, you know, we fix our hair and do what we need to do. After all of that, we can look in the mirror and say, man, you're a good guy. Ladies, you look in the mirror and say, oh, you're a good person. I believe that. There's a lot of good people in this room. But if we want to use the microphone and analogy, every one of us can say, There's something that I have to fix. God, I, I know you know, because when we look at God, that's when that's the Bible. When we look at what Jesus has done, when we hear his words, when we see his actions, when we read his story, there has to be a recognition that I'm not perfect by no means. And there's some areas that I need to improve. And so Paul begins in Romans chapter 5 and in Romans 6 and in Romans 7, he begins to do us a favor. Paul begins to deal with our weaknesses. And he deals with our greatest weakness. He deals with the one weakness. This is the one area weakness that actually every other weakness in your life comes out of. So if there is one thing you could fix that fixes everything, do you think you would put some time and effort into that? That's what we're going to do. So today I'm going to read from Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 12. Paul says, When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, Everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God. Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who is yet to come. Let's pray. Father, I pray again that your word that is perfect, you who are perfect, would speak to our lives. And as we hear your voice, as we listen to your word, may each of us recognize there is something in my life that needs to be fixed. There's something that you can work on, Lord. There's, there is weaknesses in my life, and may your word reveal them to us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Wow, did you hear these, these words? Everyone died. Everyone, even person who didn't explicitly disobey a commandment of God, they still die. You know, sin kills you. It's a disease. It, it isn't a car accident. It isn't the lack of oxygen. Sin kills you. Sin has killed mankind. If there's anything we need to talk about, if there's anything that we need to look at, it is sin in our life. Now, sin is the decision to disobey God. When we listen to God, we hear His voice, we, we read His words, and we choose to disobey His commandments. 
Now, again, most of us are like, oh, well, I've got that covered. I'm following his commandments. But do you know James says that if you know what to do, if you know the right thing to do and you don't do it, that's sin. It's a sin of omission. There's so many areas of sin. It's not just breaking God's commandments. It could be God speaking to you. God saying something in your heart. I want you to do, I want you to help this person. And you're like, no, I'm not going to help them. That's sin. So sin is not just doing something bad. Sin is not doing something good. There's so many areas of our lives that we need to say, God, would you speak to us? And I'm gonna, we're going to deep, we're going to dive in, we're going to dig into that area. But this morning, I just want to focus in on one phrase from chapter 5 of Romans, verse 12. It says, when Adam sinned, when Adam sinned, if we're going to look at sin, if we're going to understand it, I think we need to go back to where it all began, to when Adam sinned. God clearly told Adam and Eve not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He told them they could have everything else, everything else. Now, do we live in a gigantic world? We do. We live in a big, gigantic world. So here was Adam and Eve, the only two people on the planet, and God told them, you can enjoy everything around you. So think about that. Put yourself in one of these beautiful forest preserves. Put yourself on the beaches of Hawaii. Put yourself on open land that you think about and that you want to take a vacation at. Think of those areas of life. I, I can, and I know some of you can think about, like I, I spent 20 years in Utah. And I can think about being in the mountains of Utah and just looking at the beauty of it and just looking around. It's like, this is beautiful. This is amazing. And you see the rivers and you see the trees and the flowers. And you're like, this is awesome. This is beautiful. And all of a sudden, all Adam and Eve could do was look at the one tree. I mean, you've got all of this. You have it all in front of you. You've got so much to enjoy. Uh, you know, Alexandra was so small, tiny uh, when we lived in Utah, so we didn't take her up into the mountains uh, much. So when we've gone back now to visit family, we've taken her up into the mountains, and she's just loving it. She's just like, this is amazing. And I'm like, Alexandra, this is just the beginning. There's so much more I'm going to be able to show you. Every time we go, I'll take you to a new place. The older you get, we're going to see this, and we're going to see that. And I was like, Adam and Eve. Let's go see this today. Let's go here. Let's go there. We can see it all. But then the enemy said, I want you to focus on the, the one tree. The one tree. That's just like the devil. That's just like our human nature. And the devil and our human nature are still playing the same tricks on us today. Still doing the same thing. Our human nature wants to focus on what we don't have. What don't I have? That's what I want. There's so much I can enjoy. There's so much I can that I do have. 
and yet it's the one thing I can't have. It's it's the amount of money I don't have. It's the house I don't have. It's the vacation I don't have. It's we put fill in the blank. What don't I have? That's the one thing I want more than anything else. And then our sinful nature chimes in and begins to take over and magnifies that one thing that we can't have. And I can't enjoy this now and I can't enjoy that now because there's this one thing I want. Now there's one area, there's a, there's a lot of areas that this applies to. One of the areas that I, I'll bring up again is marriage. This plays out so Focusing on what we can't have. So, weddings. I love weddings. It'd be terrific. I love seeing all the attention a couple will put into a wedding. It, it is. It's wonderful, and uh, all the time and effort. So, Karen and I, we were we were we were to get to that, and so I wasn't allowed to see Karen before uh, the wedding. So I had no idea what her dress looked like. There's pictures, obviously, with her, without me, and so I, I had no clue what she was going to look like until, you know, the wedding, the traditional wedding song comes on, and I'm standing down there, back doors open, and that was the first time I saw her in her wedding dress. Boom. And we had to wait at that moment. Um, we had more to wait about than that, but that was the church I was at this morning when we were just singing quite a bit. But uh, the lighting was never quite good. The chairs were wrong. Then that church opened. That was the first day I saw that dress. That was the first time I saw her in that dress. And it was beautiful. And uh, I tried to match as close best as possible with the tuxedo, but just didn't match up. She went above and beyond the, the, the beauty of that day. And I love it. I love how, you know, we put all that time and all that and I can tell you this, I had no problem, and I think every groom will tell you the same, we had, we had, or had, or had no problem focusing on one person, on one woman, the bride. No problem. I mean, look at her. Right? I had no problem focusing on, the, on her because of her beauty. There's been millions, not millions, but years of time that I've had that same experience. There's no problem focusing on this one woman. This is the woman. I, I get to marry her. I get to spend the rest of my life with. And I've shared this statistic with you before. Even though there have been millions of rooms that have done the same, 50% of marriages still end in divorce. So 50% of, so 100% of us, I believe, said, boy, I have no problem. I don't care who walks in the room. This is the person I'm going to focus on. The life hits you. Bad breath hits you. Bills hit you. She's not wearing the wedding dress every day. She's not walking around with flowers every day. She doesn't have a veil on every day. 
you know, life goes on, and what begins to happen? We begin to think about what we can't do. 50% of marriages go down that path. They begin to think about, man, but it's not like it used to be. I don't have fun anymore. I don't have that feeling anymore. How many times have you heard that? I don't feel any love anymore. Man, love is a decision. I love feeling. I'll be the first to say I love feeling. I love feeling God's presence. I love it. But I've made a commitment to follow Christ. So when I don't feel it, when I don't feel him with me, I know he's not there. So how many times have you heard somebody say, I I don't feel in love anymore. I fell out of love with my spouse and I've fallen in love with this co-worker. I've fallen in love. We were, we contacted each other online and and oh man, I haven't seen her since high school. And we couldn't stop talking. And I, I, at home, I can't even talk to my spouse. But online, I could talk to this person. I don't have this anymore. All you can do is focus on what you don't have anymore. How many times have you seen that played out in marriages and in relationships or, or jobs? It's not fun anymore to work at my job. It's, it's no fun anymore to to go into work. I need a new job. I need a new scenery. And we, we lack that commitment. And I, I need new friends. I need new scenery. I, don't, I, I just don't feel the same when I walk into that place or when I hang out with them. I, I need something new in my life. And I love this saying. Uh, there's a saying. Have you heard the saying before? Put down your hand real quick if you know that saying. I've heard this saying at marriage uh, seminars. When the grass looks greener on the other side, it's time to water your plants. I love that saying. I love that saying. I love that because we get so caught up on what everything else looks like on the other side. Wow, look at that. Man, I remember my wife used to dress like that. You know, I, I remember when she used to do that for me. I remember we used to do that and this and that. Grass starts looking greener on the other side. It's time for you to water your plants. It's time for you to put some time and effort. It's time for you to put the tuxedo on. It's time for you to buy some flowers. It's time for you to set the atmosphere. It's time for you to do those things. So don't leave sometimes when you have these things to do. Of course, I have a commercial for you. You know what the commercial is. We have a chance for you to water your seminar called a chance. But Justin and Trisha Davis are coming in, in a couple of weeks, and uh, we had some good sign-ups last week. I want to encourage you. Sign up for this. Water your marriage. There is no better way to water a marriage than going to a marriage seminar. Do you think our marriages need water? If you have beautiful flowers, do you, 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 know, do you not water them? No. If you have a beautiful flower, if you're going to keep the beauty of that flower, what should you do? Water it. Marriage seminar, marriage conferences, reading marriage books, all of that. We should all be doing that. You don't wait for a marriage problem. You don't wait for when you're not communicating the best way. You don't wait for those things. You do them now. Because you 
I'll be at the table today, and uh, I encourage you to sign up for the May um, seminar. Our sinful nature wants to focus on what we don't have. God wants us to focus on what He has given us. God wants us to focus on what He has given to us. He has given me a bride. I can focus on her. He has given you a friends. You can focus on them. He's given you this church. You can focus on this church. He's given us this community. We can focus on this community. He has given us so many things in life. And I want to tell you something today. God is not withholding anything good from you. This was a special, especially difficult growing up as a teenager. Uh, as I've said, you know, I'm kind of traditional. I grew up in a strict family. There was a lot of things we did not do. So there was this idea that my parents were keeping me from fun. There was this idea that I couldn't do this and I couldn't do that. And I'm like, oh, they're ruining my life. And then you can begin to think about that in, in terms of God. I don't want to be a Christian. You can't do that anymore. You can't go there anymore. You can't say that anymore. I don't want to serve God. Can I tell you today, God is not keeping you from joy. He's not keeping you from peace. He's not keeping you from a life. He's not keeping you from any of the good things of life. God is keeping you from pain. He's keeping you from sorrow. He's keeping you from frustration. That is what God is keeping you from. We sing this song. He is a good, good father. That's who you are. And if you believe that, I believe that, then you know he's got good things for you. And he wants you to focus on the good things that he has in your life. I love Psalm 103. I love this psalm. And it's a powerful psalm. Listen to these verses. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your uh, sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like eagles. And the, and the King James Version, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. I love that, that psalm. And I think about that psalm so many times that I want to bless the Lord. That's why I believe there should be some energy in when we worship God. And I know we're different. I know we're not all made the same. So however you express that may be expressed. I definitely love, you know, I love raising my hands. I love shouting out at times. I, I, I cry sometimes. I love blessing the Lord. And it's, oh, my soul. So there's something. When you read, this is God's word. This is not my, uh, my idea. These aren't my words. This is God's word. It's the idea of blessing the Lord so much that you can feel it in your soul. It comes from your soul. And when you think about God forgiving you and cleansing you, when he's forgiving you of all your sins, and what he's speaking about here is heaven. This is what he's talking about because when we get to heaven, there will be no disease, there will be no tears, there will be no more frustration, there will be no more be getting tired, there will be no more working and sweating, there will be no blood, sweat, and tears, there will be 
perfect peace. It will be a redemption of life, a crowning of love. experience God's goodness. You can experience His grace. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. We should be able to do this every day. We should be able to thank God. There should be a, a, an overflowing gratitude that we have because we recognize what I have. If you want to have joy in life, if you want to avoid frustration, stop thinking about what you don't have and start looking at what you do this, God, thank you. I have a house, God, I can't believe it, thank you. I have friends, Lord, thank you so much for what I do have. I've got air in my lungs today, every one of us does. Thank you, Lord, because the word says that everything that has breath, praise the Lord. So if we're still alive on this earth, the one thing we have is breath. And with that breath, may we praise the Lord. Job did it, he lost everything, his children, his business, his wealth, his health, all he was left with was his wife that supposedly was God's God's wife. Yet with his breath, he still praised God. That's the one thing as far as on this planet we can do, we should do, we need to do. Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord. Focusing on what you have, not on what you don't have. You want a healthy marriage? Focus in on what you have. And work at it. Water it. Come to the marriage class. Read a book. Enjoy it. And see, that's, you know, again, you go back to Adam and Eve. They could have enjoyed, they had the ability to enjoy this planet. You know, again, uh, if you're single, and I know if you're single, most, you know, you're probably wanting to get married. But you know what? Enjoy what you have. Let God take care of that. I know that's easy for me to say, but I, I'm telling you from God's Word. Uh, Paul talks about this. He says, you know what? You're in a better position to serve God than somebody that's married. Read, read 1 Corinthians. It's there. So no matter what state of life you're in, you can enjoy it. You can enjoy life. You can enjoy being single. You can enjoy being married. You can enjoy being an empty nester. You can enjoy life when you focus on what you have. And at the end of the day, you know what we have? We have salvation from God. We have His goodness and mercy. We have His love. We have all that we need in Jesus Christ. He is our shepherd. We shall not for all that we have in Him, that you receive from Him, that you receive this peace today, that you avoid sin in your life. That sin that wants you to focus on what you don't have. Get rid of it. Don't have anything to do with it. 